Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 171 of the Corona Diaries, fingers on lips. Fingers on lips. Fingers Fingers off lips. lips. Fingers off lips. Not those, madam. I'll edit that out. Well, (laughs) oh, your your finger's been on the edit button a lot this morning. I don't know what you've got so far. We've been been chatting for half an hour. You're editing this after the nightmare I had with the last one. You you can you can suffer with this, right? Well, yes. Well, what's the worst that can happen? A court appearance. Start at the beginning. And, and take everything out till the end. That, that <laughs> might not. That might not take long. Yeah, that might keep us out of trouble. Or keep you out of trouble. <laughs> keep me out of court. Oh, oh dear! I just shown you because nobody will now know this. I'd shown you a picture to a ticket, hadn't I? Um, yes, from the sixteenth of May, twenty ten, um, <laughs> which was Steve Hogarth in his birthday suit. I think that might have been the first ever H Natural show. I could be, someone's going to write in and tell me it wasn't, but I think it might have been. Well, in my head, you know, I thought those were the first natural shows. Yeah, I did it. Was that Sheffield Poly? Was it Hallam, Hallam Uni? Yes, it was. The one down near the railway it? station. Well, that was either the first one or I did one in a little theatre in Birmingham somewhere. Whether that was before that or after that, I can't quite remember, but they were definitely the first ones. So it might have been the first one. The one. first one. Mm. And, and, and I, as we mentioned, you were you were white suited up. You were John Lennon-esque, weren't you? That's it. I was channeling, channeling John. Um, in, a, in a non-Liverpoolian way. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and as as I said earlier on, though it's all lost in the midst of time, you either came on from say, side stage or backstage, and the crowd parted. It was it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you and you sort of ambled forward, um, a bit like, a bit like, a bit like Gandhi, really. Actually, a bit of Gandhi about it. <laughs> You're channeling not... Gandhi and John yeah. Lennon. Oh, if only I was that slim. Of either of either as as either of them as either of them, but yes, found it this month. I was looking. I tell you what it was because the diary today takes us to Manchester, and you play in the academy. And I don't know if it's you playing the academy for the first time or not because you played the academy a lot over the years. Yeah, we have. Um, but you were nervous. You see, we'll come to it in the diary, but you says you were nervous. So, and also you mentioned the venue, which makes me. It kind of reads like it's the first time you played it. Mm. Um. But and I was looking for that ticket because I'm sure I was at that gig as well, um, right. and didn't find it. But found my but found my Steve Ogarth and his birthday suit thing. So there we are, which you didn't mm. put in the diaries actually. None of that. No, uh, no. How strange that I didn't do that. 
I definitely did the uh, the garage in Islington as well. Because uh, during that tour, in fact, that might have been my birthday. So that would have been. So this was what May the sixteenth. May the sixteenth, yeah. Ah, well then it was. It can't have been the first then, because I think I did the garage in Islington on my birthday. I've, maybe I then went and did that Birmingham one on the, on the. So on the fourteenth, I may have done the Birmingham one on the fifteenth, and Hallam might have been the third one. But I think that was it. I don't think I'd done them before that. Um, although I could be talking bollocks, and I dare say Nicole Chase will send me a spreadsheet. Oh, she will. She will. Yeah. Um, and and Helen will uh, will put some very clever formula in there for us as well. Um, yeah. Which is all of which is fine. Um, and none of it will bother me because I take it take it as an absolute given that uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, and everybody else does, and that's that's comforting really yeah yeah i i agree i agree i'm just while we're talking i'm on i'm on set list fm trying to see if i can kind of work things out um oh, oh no actually it, it you know what you played on may 15th 2010 you played at the cavern gosh was that the first one well no because on the 14th you played at the relentless garage in london that's it. I knew. I thought it was my birthday because I remember having all the little orange blobs on the piano keys. You did have the so, orange blobs on the piano so keys, that, so that the people could get up and do the for once in a lifetime, which I think I should reintroduce because that was great fun. I mean, it wasn't very good, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like describing this podcast <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, you, and then, according to this, there was just what use three. is good if it's not fun? Yeah. Discuss. There's a T-shirt. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, fun and slanderous, maybe on the edge, but fun definitely. Mm. Um, apparently, you then went to um, Dublin, but that wasn't until November. Fun, fast, and loose. There's a T-shirt. Um, I went to Dublin, did I? Yeah, Crawdaddy, Dublin, Ireland, November the sixth. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. I was a funny little pup. Tiny. That might have been smaller than the Swedish gigs I've just done. That really was small. It was just a pub. As a band, you don't get to Ireland very often, do you? No, sadly not often enough. It's just that um, that patch of seawater means we've got to have a day off either side of it, which is so incredibly expensive with all the buses and trucks and blokes and all being paid. Um and then there's no income, you know, because you're having two days off either side of it. And so it's very hard to make the Irish shows pay, um, you know, and not not go and just think, okay, well, we'll lose some money and we'll go and play in Ireland, which, which is well worth it, mm. but you, you can't do it that often. But last time we played Dublin was the Button Factory, and that was a few years back now, I think. I think we did the Button Factory. And I remember doing the Empire in Belfast. Um, I think we've played in the north even le- even fewer times than we've played Dublin. Right. But it's just economics. It's got nothing to do with any kind of whatever they call it. Anything, any kind of anything. <laughs> The white hot heat of 
whatnot and whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, new and improved. Um, back on the set list thing, just 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 because I've been I've been scrolling while I've been going. It looks like you're playing natural shows in 2008. So basically, most of that conversation it was bollocks. Was bollocks. Ah, um, but well done. Only be- only because you seem to play- so Bush Hall in 2008. Right. Was that was that a natural show? I mean, you've, I'm that looking was. at the set list because Wicked Dave Megan came. Yeah, but, Megan came to that. Yeah, I remember chatting to him backstage in Bush Hall. That might have been the first one. Well, hang on a minute, because so. before that, you played some Brides <laughs> Church. <laughs> Maybe there wasn't a first one. Maybe I was born doing these things. <laughs> Were you doing these before Marillion? <laughs> before, before I was alive. Right. So I'm now going back to 2007, and I've got you at Union Chapel playing Life on Mars. That's you as well, isn't it? That would have been me, most definitely. On a natural oh. gig, looking oh, at the set list. That wouldn't have been the first one either. Because so. you've never played Way Over Yonder with a with a band, have you? No. Okay, so so in 2006, the 17 gigs against you. The Riffs Bar in Swindon, is that ringing any bells? Swindon? I've never been there. According to this, you played the Riffs Bar in Swindon on the 1st of October. Save us, uh, save us from the ball and chain, number one, living with a big lie, working town in the ghetto, which is a lime and ocean. It's all sounding natural to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg's got up with me. Dave G got up and played some guitar. Oh, what a privilege that was. And that was in Swindon? I think that was I think that was the night I think that might have been the night, although this could be bollocks, uh that he played my Rick and Back at twelve string for the first time and never gave it me back for yeah. about twelve years because I just said you should just have that, Dave. It's a travesty. Someone like me should be twanging about on that. Twanging about when when the greatest twelve string electric twelve string player in the United Kingdom. Is <laughs> standing standing anywhere near me? So you just take that home, and uh, I'll call you if I've ever got the nerve to take it off you. And it, and it did take me about fifteen years mm. to work up the courage. To be fair, I think you did well to, to work well, up the was, courage to ask him full was, stop. It, yeah, it wasn't courage; it was cheek. <laughs> What's yours? <laughs> it's still cheek. So, so back, back, going back through the list. On March the second, two thousand six, so you played it's at like the lending, lending Jimi Hendrix at Strat and asking for it back. You just couldn't. Uh, there's a, there's that famous story of Hendrix, isn't there? Where there's a band playing in a pub and the guitarist's up and it sounds absolutely awful, really mm. shocking, and and the the band go off for a go off for a break and Hendrix gets up and picks the guitar up and just. Same guitar, changes nothing. Sounds absolutely astonishing. Puts it back down. Band come back up after the break. Sounds shit again. Yeah, it is to do I with really technique. hope that's true. Well, when I bought that Ricky 12 and plugged it in for the first time, I thought it was going to go... And it went... And I thought, there's something wrong with this. Uh and I, I sort of put it in the case and thought, oh, it's a beautiful looking guitar, but it, it's, it, it doesn't sound like broken. A, Rick, a Ricky's bust. <laughs> doesn't sound like a Ricky Twelve. And I thought it, I thought it was bust until the day Dave picked it up, and he went bow down, down, down. I went, that's it. That's the thing. I can see what the problem has been there. <laughs> 
Have you ever made a guitar sound like bow, down, 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 down? Yeah, oh yeah. When I go drang on it now in the levers, it does sound like that. Right. It does sound like that. So and you I were just all... waiting for the right chord to come along. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and and the right amount of years to pass for me to vaguely be able to play the guitar, but not well. Right. Which I couldn't even do. You know, when I bought it, I, I, you know, I barely knew which way round to have it, you know, strings in or out. Rickies aren't the easiest things to play either. They've got really not, narrow necks. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not the easiest guitars to play. And no. the 12s, of course, worse because there's twice as many strings and the, the neck's not that much it's not, It isn't. It isn't. Um, no. So you, they are a bit, it is a bit tight under the old fingers, but they, they make up for it with them. You know, they do sound great. So, so back to back to H natural that we as to when it actually started. So, yeah. in two thousand and six, I've got you at the Mac Theatre in Birmingham, the Cavern Club in Liverpool, Hubs in Sheffield, Bush that Hall in it. London. The Mac Theatre, that was it. And is there anything before that? Um, I've got you at I've got you in Girona. Um, oh, I've got yeah. you in Paris, uh, Cafe uh, de la Danse. Uh, I've got oh. you at uh, Fera del Disc. In Girona, in Spain. Yeah, that was when uh, Hugh Cornwell opened for me. You know, from the Stranglers, opened for opened. me. Yeah. Opened, yeah. Opened. I was sitting there thinking, "How did this happen?" Holy shit! And I told him so, and he was really nice. And I said, "Well, Christ alone knows what you're doing opening for me. That's that's berserk." And he didn't say, uh, well, I was just thinking exactly the same thing. He didn't even say that, and I'm sure he must have been, but he didn't even say that. Um, he was just really nice. Because you'd um, have owned for Hugh Cornwall, wouldn't you? You'd In a heartbeat. Would, oh, yeah, of course I would, yeah, yeah. Out, out of respect. Yeah. Um, I mean, the songs he's written, my Lord. Um, so that was, you know. That was equal only to that time I was walking down the King's Road uh, behind Chrissy Hyde and someone barged her out the way to ask for my autograph. They were the, they were the two moments of, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> they, were, they were both, you know, this, this ain't right moments, but there we are. No, no, I don't know which one of those two is better, actually. Well, uh, sort of equally... Unjust. So, 2006. Then, are we now thinking that 2006 was the start of the natural shows? Then, having 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 ascertained, only if you tell me. Well, I because we we said with certainty that the first one you did was potentially the one I have a ticket for, and we're now four years earlier than that. <laughs> just 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 putting it out there. Yeah, I think that that's Girona. Definitely was early days. That was okay. definitely early days in there. So, so I'm going to throw one more in the mix then. In 2005, right. you played yeah. at a school in Barcelona. Wow. Right. Um, Gabriel's message, cover my eyes, three-minute boy, Easter, imagine, have yourself a merry little Christmas, beautiful, silent night, hey Jude. Wow. Does any of that ring a bell? And could that have been... 
Because that, that was a, sm- a smaller sort of set, so I don't know if that was a, a bit of a different thing, but that might be where the kernel of the idea came from. Yes. I, I, to be honest, anything I now say will be rubbish. <laughs> so is there any point? Well, but that, w- that well, was I early. entertaining. That was early doors too. I really, really barely remember that. Uh, although it rings a really distant bell. My mate Gabriel phones me up every now and again and and plugs me into these bizarre situations. It was it was, it was so that school that was one of Gabriel's. Um the 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 disaster in front of the king of Spain and the crown princess of Denmark was one of Gabriel's. Um so he's and and the Girona festival where Hugh Cornwell opened for me. I think Gabriel made that happen as well. So he's he is the uh, he is the the crown Spanish prince of of the bizarre H gig, uh, and always has been. Right. Okay. I'm pleased we did that. I'm pleased that ticket prompted that conversation. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm none the wiser. Well, I'm wiser, but I'll have forgotten it all in ten minutes. So I'm well, not yeah. But hang on a minute. Well. Dave Gregory's been chucked into it. Yeah. We've, we've, no, we've chucked um, Hugh Cornwall into it. Yeah, um, you said somebody else got up and played with you one night, didn't you? Um, of some of the dates that we mentioned. So, well, I I, I had the blobs, and so I was I dragged up alone to mem- members of the audience. I had the blobs. You should do that again. again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Phil said I should do that again, and we were we're gonna do we were gonna do it again in Sweden, and then I never got round to it. I need a crooked billet. Oh, Sorry, it was up early. No, it's all right. A crooked billet would work well. Yeah, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe you maybe will. I will. Maybe I will. Lovely. Do, 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 do. Lovely. Right. Do, boom, boom. So normally at this stage, I've got some idea of how long we've been talking and how much longer we need to talk to before we go to diary. But today, because we've been recording for 45 minutes, but actually we've no idea how much of the content we can actually put out. I've no About idea. Five. Yeah, yeah, tricky. It is tricky. So should we go to diary and regroup? Let's go to diary because I've got to have a blood test. Right, later. let's let's go to and diary. I'm, so if we're a bit shorter uh, today, it's because of it's because of the slander laws and um the libel laws and the fact that you need a blood test. Right. Yeah. In which case, Manchester first and then I'm thinking Aylesbury. Yes. Yes, that's when I met Dave Stops for the first time actually. So yes, that that was an interesting day as well. Right. Here it comes. Friday, 8th of November, Manchester Academy. Slept well. Went to the cafe and bought bacon rolls for the crew. Came back and distributed them. Adam and Mark appeared from Manchester United and took Pete and me to Old Trafford for lunch. This was followed by a tour of the stadium. Great to stand by the pitch. We weren't allowed on. Somehow the place has almost as much atmosphere empty as it does full. We shuffled between various other parties of Chinese and Japanese doing the tour too. It's amazing what an icon menu has become in the Far East. We were shown the changing rooms and I took a pic of Pete T standing in the corner where Ryan Giggs gets his gear on and off. 
insert your own joke here. We walked down the tunnel, and as we did so, our tour guide, Arthur, pressed a button and set off a recorded sample of the crowd cheering as the team emerged from the tunnel. What a laugh. Corny as hell, but a good memory. We returned to the academy for sound check. The room's a bit of a cave, and it came as a shock to hear the drum sound all boomy and indistinct. Apart from that, all seemed to go well. Had the pre-gig nap and lay in the dark on the bus, feeling nervous. Nerves don't strike me often, and I've been playing shows long enough now to know that I'll be alright once I'm on stage. Still, they do strike, usually when I don't feel we're on top of our gig, and it ain't pleasant. I remained edgy all the way up to stage time, getting dressed for the Invisible Man. Insert your own joke here too. Which was to be the opener. When I got up there, the Manchester crowd were amazing, as usual, and the nerves gave way immediately to focus and one of the most focused performances of the song I remember. The show was thoroughly enjoyable from start to end. Afterwards, I hung out in the backstage bar for a while, chatting to Aziz Ibrahim and doing the pictures and autographs before returning to the bus and overnight to Aylesbury. Saturday, 9th of November, Aylesbury Waterside Theatre. Rumbled out of sleep in the middle of the night. The bus appeared to be traversing a cobbled stone road. I lay in the dark, listening to and feeling the judder of the wheels and trying to figure out how our bus driver had managed to find a cobblestone road between Manchester and Aylesbury. It felt like we were back in Poland. I was later to discover that this was, in fact, the A41. I guess it's just buggered. Woke up in the morning to a view of the Waterside Theatre which, from round the back, looks like the USS Enterprise with a sprinkle of Cotswold dry stone walling at its base. Inside, the dressing room was decorated with flowers, roses, lilies, freesias. Lovely. You can tell we're not promoting this one ourselves. We're too tight to spend 20 quid on something as bloke pointless as flowers. I wonder what they're charging us for them, said Pete. See what I mean? I went next door to the Friars production team and thanked them for the flowers. A nice touch. Ran into David Stops, long-time manager of Howard Jones, whose claim to fame in Aylesbury is and was Friars, a rock club with its roots in the 1970s. Tonight's show is being promoted as part of the Friars' legacy, so there are flyers in the dressing room with notable artists who played the club back in the day. You name them, Dave had them. There was a time in Aylesbury when you could have popped out and seen David Bowie twice a month, Nick Drake opening for Genesis, XTC opening for Blondie, and later in the 70s, The Police, The Clash, Ian Dury and the Blockheads, The Talking Heads, Madness, and on it went. I'd have moved here myself if I'd known. No wonder Rothers, Fish and Chums settled here from their Edinburgh and Whitby hometowns and began hustling Dave for opening slots. I met David Stops briefly in New York at some point in the 90s. He was hanging at one of our gigs with our managers, Tony Smith and John Arneson. Unfortunately, I was in the throes of mid-tour Montezuma's revenge at the time and couldn't get out of the toilet for more than five minutes. 
Questionable American tour food has a habit of turning my intestines to liquid from time to time. Always a dilemma when there's a two-hour show to perform, stroke endure. But I digress. The point is that this was my first chance to get to know Dave Stops. I like him. He's got an essence of Bob Harris, BBC DJ and long-term presenter of the old Grey Whistle Test, about him. They could be brothers. Good-natured, intelligent old hippies with a seemingly encyclopedic and undiminished love of music and the artists who make it. Back in the early 80s when I was rattling round London with the Europeans, Marillion were a regular opener at Friars while Fish hustled Dave into managing the band. I'm not a manager, I'm a promoter, said Dave, and so it went on until Dave eventually caved in and agreed to manage Marillion. Record company interest soon began to happen, whereupon Fish began campaigning to get rid of him. This was the history as recounted to me by one of the band, and I recounted all this back to Dave whilst he smilingly nodded and said, Yep, that's about right. A few months later, after Dave had begun managing Howard Jones, his single entered the chart at number two, just as Marillion's first single entered at 26. Dave said, I bumped into Fish and he congratulated me, saying, It's not a competition, you know. Oh, yes it is, I said. Fair enough. I wandered onto the stage to have a look. Been here before a couple of months back to play a short set for charity, along with the Zombies and Argent. It's a beautiful state-of-the-art theatre, and judging by the state of Buckinghamshire's roads, they must have blown the road maintenance budget on building this place. Money well spent, I'd say. I spent a while working on this diary whilst Mark's daughter, the beautiful Freya, popped in to show the children their rock and roll granddad. I typed away in the corner whilst catching glimpses of Mark playing the fool and entertaining the baby. Blimey, I now have a child the same age as Mark's grandchildren, and he's younger than me. What a life. Soundcheck was a little nervous. Mark had decided to transfer the entire keyboard computer to a laptop, which, only yesterday, he said, was blue-screening on him and losing data. Ah, no gig would ever be complete without the ever-present fairy fluttering at the back of my mind and whispering, this is probably the song where the keyboards stop working. Good luck. After soundcheck, I hit my bus bed and slept for an hour. Back in the gig, I said hello to my lovely Sophie and enjoyed the pre-gig cuddle. Peter Brown gave me a copy of his first album. I'm on it somewhere, mumbling. The theatre was sold out and the show was superb. The keyboards worked flawlessly and so did my voice. After all the problems last year, in and out of throat doctors, jamming cameras down my throat, steroid shots antibiotics and wondering if I've reached an age where the old pipes start to degenerate. It's going to happen at some point. It's a terrific feeling to know that it was all just a blip and I'm back stronger than ever. When we third encored with Garden Party and Market Square Heroes, the audience caught fire. Lovely. After the show, Dave Stops presented each member of the band with a little glass plaque engraved with the dates they'd played Friars in the past. I just had the one date on mine, of course, whilst the rest of the boys had a list. Really sweet of him. 
What a bloody nice, thoughtful and classy bloke. I went out into the after-show bar and had a chat with John Mitchell from It Bites. John has become a hot producer and is mixing stuff for all the young bands now. He was absolutely hammered and a much better comedy drunk than Dudley Moore in Arthur. He kept kissing me on the lips and congratulating passing girls on their breasts in between enthusing about the gig and my singing. Marvellous and proper rock and roll. Well done, John. Unfortunately, Lynetta couldn't make it in the end. She has spent the last four days running her stall at the Christmas market in Waddesdon, selling Scandinavian kids' clothes, a new venture. She's hardly seen Little Vibes, and he doesn't want her to go out. Fair enough. Climbed back onto the bus, and overnight to Rouen. And we're back. And we'll start with Manchester. And by the way, I was going to talk about white paper today, but we, we've got distracted, so we'll talk about white paper next time. Okay, it's a um, bit early in the morning for talking about white paper. This half an hour does make a difference, doesn't it? Colossal. I, I mean, I was in bed late as well last night. It's thrown our curve a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so- I couldn't, couldn't get the missus out of the cupboard last night. Was come out of the cupboard and come to bed. Oh, I'm nearly finished. Rattle, rattle, bang, bang. And things thrown over shoulder. Uh, I, I, want, I need to sleep, darling. I need to sleep. Yes, yes, I'm just coming. It was like that. Right. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. No, it's okay. Is, is Lynetta still in bed then, just snoozing off her covered experience? Yes. Okay. I was, okay. No, no, that's not fair. No, she, she, she has got up. She's put up. She's put a wash on. Ah. ah. <laughs> Alison's done that as well. Yeah. Uh, Alison yeah. always feels she's she's always more centered. She's better when she's a, when there's a wash on. She somehow she's more she's more settled. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, don't know why. I think I think I would be. Yeah, if I put one on. Right. Um, does vibes? No, is he a I wouldn't be in the holidays. I'd make such a bollocks of it. I wouldn't be settled. I'd be wondering which colours are bleeding into which. Um, vibes. You're to sort them before you start. Vibes sleeps like the dead. And right. and I've now got used to him not appearing till just before noon. Right, same as this so, house then. Josh is exactly the same. Yeah, and he's still growing like a Trifford. He got taller while I was in. So I was only away a fortnight, and he's taller definitely. So maybe they, maybe they just have to sleep in order to you know to grow because they're growing at such a mad rate. They just have to sleep. Is he occupying the early hours? Because Josh occupies the early hours. He seems to not go to sleep till about one or two. Yeah, exactly the same. Right, okay. And and devices are involved, I'm guessing, at your end because they're involved at our end. Yes, plus the non-cleaning of teeth, which causes a lot of grief between him and his mother. Right. She's, she's, she's very keen that he should clean his teeth every night and every morning and uh, after time... There's, there's a lot of detective work goes into discovering whether or not he has. I've now but, got you and Lynetta down as Holmes and Watson. <laughs> I think that would be a winner. Holmes and Watson. Well, I'll start just swanning about in a deer stalker, will I? Well, no, I've got you down as Watson. 
Yeah, oh, all right, yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of what I meant. Right, okay. <laughs> he didn't have one, did he? Holmes had the deer stalker. Yes, he did. He? Oh, okay. And the violin. Yes. Um, yeah, oh, well, she is a natural detective. She used to live with a policeman. And I don't think it left her. Or maybe it, maybe that's why she lived with a policeman, you know, just to get her nose in the case notes. Um, but she's very keen. She, you know, whenever we watch these detective dramas, she's rumbled it in the first five minutes while I'm still trying to work out, you know, who's who. She knows who's done it and why they did it. And, and she's, uh, yeah, she'd be a great asset to the uh, CID. Just the picture of you two with Holmes and Watson. Just fantastic. Just absolutely fantastic. Anyway, back to the diary. What, what did Watson do? Did, is there anything he did? Well, I see, this is where it all falls down because Watson Holmes on the straight and narrow. This is where it's all uh, starting to fall down a bit. Ah, uh, no, 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 that's not much of a theory then, really, is it? No, no. It's the detective bit of it works, but every other bit. Right. You know, the, if random, I was... the random drug abuse. If I was going to say, if I was keeping her off the opium, uh, then it would stack up, but I think the reverse might be true. <laughs> Neither is keeping each other off the gin, are you? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> she does better at it than I do if she's on her own, but as soon as I appear in the in the equation, I'm, I'm the devil on the shoulder. Mm. Go I on, think, just have a little one. It's Friday night, Junior. That's Thursday, by the way. Um, anyway, back to diary. Manchester. Yes. Manchester. You you went to Old Trafford. I did, yeah. With Adam. Uh, Adam, 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 Adam. His second name will come to me. He's got one of those second names that comes and goes on some days. I, can, I, I, I don't need to search for it. On others, it just won't come at all. I always think Adam Buxton. And it's not Adam Buxton because he's never taken me to Old Trafford. But uh, the lovely Adam from Manchester uh, took me around Old Trafford. Um, I remember the first time I ever got an email from him with him, and it had the Manchester United logo on it, and I, I nearly fainted. I was so thrilled. Um, anyway, yeah, he took me. He took me around, um, uh, and me and uh, who else came? I think it might have been Pete Trousers. He was Pete Trousers, and we uh, we had a look round. And that was great. It was a real privilege. Um, and I've been, in, I've been invited round FC Barcelona a zillion times by Gabriel, and never had the time to go as well. And uh, he once rocked up with a signed Barcelona shirt with, by Lionel Messi, and uh, I thought, who the fuck's Lionel Messi? I've never heard of him. And I think I left it in the dressing room. Probably worth ten grand. <laughs> there we are. I wonder who you'd have. I wonder. I wonder who you'd have pushed Messi out of the way to get somebody else's autograph, uh, wouldn't you? Exactly. Pushed him out of the way. <laughs> I would have pushed him out of the way for Ronaldinho, if I'm honest, because I always I loved Ronaldinho. I I did have a Ronaldinho signed shirt as well. Which I gave to a, one of Vibes' mates who's really into his footy. Um, so there we are. I can I can occasionally, you know, get get 
get those things done for for mates, which is nice. Now, funnily enough, I was going to I was going to invite you to see Manchester United when they when they come to beautiful downtown Bramall Lane to play Sheffield United, but you're it's the day you're playing in Paris. Ah, that's a shame. We could have had a laugh. We could have had a laugh. We could have had a we, laugh. We and could have uh, had a laugh. you'd have been very welcome in 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 Sheffield too. Um, we'll do that. We'll do that at some point. We will, we will but, but unfortunately, you will be in, in, in Paris, but there we are. So, uh, Manchester Academy does does sound a bit in the diary like it was the first time you played it. I don't know how we, without going through set list again, I don't know how we clarify that, but you, you were right. nervous. You were a bit nervous. Yeah. Well, nerves tend to strike me at random. Um, I'm never quite sure why, you know, when I'm nervous, I think, well, what... Why wasn't I nervous last night as well? You know, if I'm if I'm nervous tonight, it's not it's not a noticeably bigger room. It's not it's not going to be a noticeably more difficult audience. You know, it's not like I don't know what I'm doing. I kind of do. I think in those days, a source of nerves might have been wondering if the keyboard rig would make it from one end of the show to the other. Hmm. Um, it's hard to. Now that we now we've got a keyboard rig that tends to work, uh, it's it's easy to forget how many years we struggled along on the end, edge of our nerves, waiting for for it to crash and burn, um, and that that in my case sometimes that was a source of unease. Um, you know, I just didn't feel like I'd got something I could rely on beneath me. Um, and you, you know, as, as um, a casual observer, you might think, well, you know, you're the singer. It's not your bloody problem, is it? If one of the band has a problem, it's their problem, isn't it? You can just have a have a little slog on your uh, Sarah Miles, and um, and wait till they sort it out. But the reality is that I, I, I so passionately want those shows to be great. Um, you know, it's it's not about me. I know, I know, I know that's hard to to imagine that I think that, but it's not. It's about it's about the whole thing, and about the people walking out of there going, "My God, that was amazing!" And it can't be if things keep breaking down. And so uh, that used to upset me, and it's so much better now. Kudos to Mark K for getting all of that sorted out these days because he's he's you know he's been fantastic to work with lately mm. and that takes to Aylesbury yes the day I met David Stops which mm. was lovely and he he told me told me because he he managed Marillion for a while uh and so of course the rest of the boys knew him really well because he used to manage them way back in the way back and he managed Howard Jones for a really long time through through all his uh, successful years, um, and I I'd heard a lot about David Stops. Um, he was one of those legendary characters in the music business, but I'd never met him. And he'd even been to a New York show that we did years ago, um, but I was I was ill. I had stomach trouble. I couldn't get off the loo. And so I, I didn't get a chance to meet him then either. But I met him at uh, the Ellsbury Waterside 
and he's a thoroughly lovely bloke, and uh, I commend him to the house and the earth. He's lovely, he's passionate about music, and uh, I think, I mean, I, I think I might have said, I, it, he did, um, he used to run Friars in Aylesbury, and, and Friars was amazing because everybody played there. You know, and there was a point in the eighties where, for for three pounds fifty, you could go and see the Talking Heads opening for Blondie, or you could go and see, you know, XTC and Peter Gabriel, and then the following week, you David Bowie would be playing there. Um, and this was all because Dave had this sort of passion for it and used to look after people when they came and played there, and so they'd always come back because they had a good experience. And he did um, he did an exhibition in Aylesbury Museum where he, I think he had one of Genesis's drum kits. Oh, no, maybe it might have been Pink Floyd's drum kit. Um, you know, and there was pictures of him hanging with Peter Gabriel and Mike Rutherford when he was young, and um, there was a little box full of all the microphones that John Otway had destroyed over the years. Um, and I think Marillion put something in there. And 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 on the opening night, uh, he got. A t- I was with him, and he got a text just wishing him, you know. Wishing him luck with the exhibition. I hope it all goes well. Lots of love, DB. And that was from Bowie. So he, you know, he's he's held with great affection by a lot of artists. And I was meeting him for the first time that day, and we we sort of clicked. We clicked almost immediately. Really like him. Mm, sounds like he clicked with a lot of people. He invited us to his wedding. Um, not that long ago, he got he got married quite late in life, and uh, invited us all over, which was nice. Hmm. Do do you still think? Do the band still think of themselves as an Aylesbury band? Because it's banded around quite often. But I mean, none of you are from Aylesbury, are you? No. Um... Pete and Steve live in Aylesbury, or well, Pete's the only one who really lives in Aylesbury. Steve lives in um, a kind of little satellite um, housing estate, you know, uh, um, albeit quite a nice one. Um, in a, in a, I bet I probably shouldn't name it, uh, but on the on the edge of Aylesbury, but in Greater Aylesbury, if you want to, you know, for want of a better term. Um, but of course, Pete was born and grew up in Middlesbrough. Brothers was born and grew up in Whitby. And of course, I discovered that. Um, oh, hang on, my phone's going there. No caller ID. That's probably the dentist. Um, I I discovered that my great 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 grandparents on my father's side they were all from Egton Bridge, which was sort of edge of Whitby. So my lineage, as far as I can trace it, I can't trace it any further back than than Whitby. So I'm actually from Whitby, or some small part of me goes back there on my father's side. So that's quite an 
a curious coincidence. Mosley lives in Tring, and Mark now lives out near, um, what's that place called? Sort of between Oxford and uh, Abingdon, out that way. And has done more or less for years. So, so, so no, we're not an Aylesbury band. Nobody was born in or anywhere near Aylesbury. But I think they converged on Aylesbury because of Friars, really, because it had such a vibrant music scene. They all sort of converged one at a time. Maybe Pete was living in it. Maybe Pete's family was living in Aylesbury by then. I think I think they moved from from Middlesbrough to um, I think they moved from Middlesbrough to Aylesbury. But no other link than that because because I mean neither Ian because Ian's is it Ian's is he from London originally? Where's Mark? Was Mark born in Ireland? Mark, no, Mark was born in Romford. Why Is did I? Right? Why work out work on Ireland? Oh, maybe he was born in Ireland, but Mark's got an Irish passport. Um, so he might have been. Yeah, maybe he was born in Dublin. I could be wrong. I think he was born in Dublin, and his family moved to Romford, in Essex, where he kind of grew up. That's a hell of a culture shock. It sure is. Um, <laughs> well. Mad Jack, isn't it? <laughs> um, so no, no Aylesbury connection no Aylesbury whatsoever, connection whatsoever, except that Pete is probably the has the firmest um, connection. You know, firmest firmest claim to to Aylesbury because he, I think, he grew up there, although he wasn't born there, and everybody else moved down probably. Because of the vibrant music scene in um, Friars and everything, and then Fish moved down from wherever he was out near Edinburgh um, to Aylesbury, and I think they all lived in a bed sit, you know, when they were piss poor and trying to make it. Um, and Fish managed to hustle Dave Stops into first putting them on as on opening slots and whatnot in 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 uh, friars and then later on into actually managing the band and then i think fish later fired dave because um, he decided dave wasn't doing enough and then dave took on howard jones and had a hit with him, you know, had a, a string of hits. So it, it, it can't, that kind of vindicated Dave a bit, I guess. Hmm. Anyway, I think we'll probably leave it there because you've got places to be. Um, if have, you haven't I've already got... picked up on this, we, we start recording and then had a load of stuff that we can use and well, a load of stuff we can't use and what have you. So if you're purple, <laughs> if you're purple, carry on listening after the credits because what I'm going to do is I'm going to edit in snippets of what we can actually put out from the first part of the conversation we have. So a bit of an extra for the purples. It will be random. So it might jump from things and it might be a minute and then it might be a complete blank yeah. and it might be another minute. I don't know what it'll be. Yeah. Whatever's Name, salvageable, I'll put out. Na- names might be bleeped out. Yes, there might be a lot. <laughs> might be a lot that's redacted. It's, it's, this is the Boris said. Johnson WhatsApp section, this. Yeah, exactly. Of what the COVID inquiry is actually going to see. 
So, uh, but keep listening, Purples, because you've got a bit extra company. No idea how we're going to do that, but we'll work it out through the week. And I can leave you to go and do to go and do your bits, Connor. All right, mate. Well, thanks everyone for listening. It's good to be home. Uh, it's technically a lot easier to accomplish as well. Uh, <laughs> if we've recorded uh, a whole load, we can't use. <laughs> We can't blame it on the technology. Can't blame it just, on tech. It's just me and my big mouth, basically, is yeah. the problem. But there we are. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights, and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>